Hello, everybody out there. I'm Justin. I'm Josh. And did you know that a chef's hat has 100 pleats in it? 100. This is the Do Life Project. Cheers, buddy. Is there a reason why it's it's 100? It, it, there is, and... The pleats that makes me think of Anchorman when he has an erection. He's like, it's, don't have a boner, it's just the pleats. Dude. What? (laughs) The funniest moment in all of movie history is in that fucking movie. I love that movie. When he is warming up, Uh. and he's like, "Ah, ah." they're in the back! (laughs) Get the children! Yeah, he's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that whole movie is hysterical. That that ah, and dude. Tropic Thunder are the only movies that I can watch and laugh. Oh, like every time. So fucking funny, dude. But yeah, so a chef's hat has a hundred pleats in it because uh, it's meant to represent the hundred ways you can cook an egg. I didn't know there were a hundred ways to cook an egg, but hey, at least they stand for something. Let's see. Uh, you can poach. Yep. Scramble. Yep. Sunny side up. Sunny side up. Over easy, over medium, fry. Do we say scramble? That was the first one, right? Yeah. No, was. I said poached. Oh, or scramble? Yeah, scr- yeah. All right. If we've said it already, don't don't fucking judge us. Yeah, okay? it's we like scrambled eggs around here. My fave. Uh, yeah. So I got seven. Yeah, for frittata, but that doesn't count. An omelet. An omelet. An omelet. All right. That's that's enough. That's enough. I mean, we're not gonna get a hundred, so. Imagine if we just sat here for an hour and a half. And It'd be wild. It'd <laughs> be wild. Oh shit! All right. Well, that's interesting. I like. I like when. I like when things like that have meaning. No, me too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, what are we doing here today? We are here for another sip and read with sip in quotations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why is it in quotations? It's still January. Still January. And we are trying our best to behave, and. Contribute to dry January, partake in dry January, not contributing. As, uh, as much as we can. Yeah, again, I mean, we were honest last episode that it's not been perfect. Yeah. I've done okay since then, mm-hmm. but not perfect. I think I'll be good. I have been perfect since the last episode. Oh, I mean, yeah, same. <laughs> uh, I think that because I'm not traveling again until February, mm-hmm. the beginning of February, I think I'll be good. Good. That's the hard part. Yeah. It's like you go out with the guys and ah, 100%. Ah, fuck dry January. You're like, yeah, fuck dry January. <laughs> yeah, you're like, you know what? I agree. <laughs> you know what? It's not even for a purpose. Yeah. Just to better yourself. Yeah. But um, we still wanted to talk about drinks. Yeah. Because we feel like it's, it's necessary. It's so, a part. It's just a part of it. So for the sip part, we're going to talk about our f- go-to drinks. So what is your favorite beverage to consume that is non-alcoholic and then you brought a piece of literature sure did sure did pretty excited to talk about this one well what is it so we can stop guessing (laughs) (laughs) no i want you to guess oh okay it's uh the iliad the iliad (laughs) jump uh no it is never finished unshackle your mind and win the war within by david fucking Goggins, oh, baby. this motherfucker back. He's back. Oh, I love it. He's back. Angry still? Still angry? Still a savage. Nice. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, still a motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? Yeah. That's him. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So we'll talk about that. But first, let's talk about what the go-to bevies are when we're not being heathens. Be- okay, sure. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? I want you to start. All right. I'm hoping that you inspire me. Okay. So I'm a big water guy. Yeah. Um, I love to drink water. I drink over a gallon a day. So my go-to drink typically is water with strawberry watermelon Mio in it. I love Mio. Um, very convenient. And for whatever reason, it's like I'm I'm not addicted, but I need it. <laughs> so um, I don't know what it is about it. It just it, What are those track marks on your arm? <laughs> yeah. I'm not addicted. I just fucking need it, dude. <laughs> yeah, man. Don't judge. Don't judge me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Don't judge me. If not that, I am a huge fan of sweet iced tea. Really? Not unsweetened. Sweet iced tea. Which is strange because I do not like sweets. 
Have um, you ever had Southern sweet tea? Like real sweet tea? Yes. Yeah? Heavenly. Do you? Oh, you love that? Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. I, I don't, yeah, I don't know why. Um, Gold Peak right now is, is my, like, go-to iced tea off the shelf. I fuck with Gold Peak. Um, it's so refreshing. It is. Yeah, it is. Not so much the sweet. The sweet is like the sweet. The sweet can be over pucker. It can be overpowering, but I don't know. I'm into it. You love it. I'm into it. You don't cut it with water. You just fucking you're going in. Just go in. You're going in. And I will say, yeah. No, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to change the drink. Uh, yeah. Don't do that just yet. Okay. How much mio did you do? Do you put in your water? You like a two drop guy? You fucking squirting the shit out of it. Uh, two good squeezes. Two. Good like, squeezes. Like two seconds worth of squeeze. One thousand. Two thousand. No. No. Overall. Meow. Overall. Overall. <laughs> one thousand. Two thousand. Done. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Okay. And you find that that tastes better than like a Gatorade? Yeah. I don't like Gatorade. Really? Well, I, let me rephrase. I will drink Gatorade. It, I wouldn't like buy it. Uh, same with Powerade. Mm. Same with really like all sports drinks. Yeah. I actually didn't take, I didn't take anything. I didn't drink anything like during workouts aside from water until I found BPN. Oh, and yeah, then yeah. They're um, like Intra- amino acids. Are yeah. Fucking fantastic. Yeah. But um, no, I'm not a big sports drink guy. Okay. And I was going to say that summertime, mm. watermelon juice. Oh, fuck. Is, uh, oh, God. It, I've never had watermelon juice. Yeah, you got to get on it. You got to do it. Dude, um, I want it right now. I can't think of the company, but it's not Tropicana, but somebody that makes orange juice also makes this, and it's it's so good. So good. Watermelon I juice. I kind of want to make it myself. Okay, I think you should. I'm going to. I'm going to fucking do it. Fuck around and find out. Fuck around and find out. I got a food processor. There you go. I'll juice. I'll, <laughs> I juice. I juice. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, did I inspire you? You did. So, I am also... A big water guy. That's generally all I drink. A black coffee in the morning mm. is my go-to. Yep. If it's not water or black coffee, I feel like I'm 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 diverging off of my go-to, and I apologize for for that. But I got a couple. Okay. Okay. With dinner, it's a Coke Zero. Coke Zero. I fucking love Coke Zero, dude. <laughs> okay. So I shouldn't drink them, but I fucking love them. Hey. If I'm sort of sick of water and I want something with some flavor, I have a Gatorade Zero. Yeah, okay. I see I, I see them. Yes. And the reason for that is I cannot do, like, that sweet. Okay. Like, with, like, I don't know. I don't know with, like, the real sweetness. It's just, like, if I feel like it puts, like, a slime in my mouth, mm. and it's disgusting. Okay. So, water, black coffee, Coke Zero, Gatorade Zero is probably the only liquids that go into my body other than large amounts of booze. There you go. Okay. (laughs) I drink black coffee, too. I forgot about black coffee. Mm. If I don't have it in the morning, I don't get, like, like I've gone, like, a week or two weeks or whatever without having uh, coffee, and I don't get headaches or anything like that, but if I don't have it in the morning... I feel like I've, I've, I've like fucked my day up a little bit. Mm. You know, it's sort of weird, but it's like, I went so far as like the, the, the place where I work now didn't have a coffee machine. And I was like, ah, we're going to fix that. (laughs) (laughs) Like bought a coffee machine so I could have my black coffee in the morning. So is that, is it more routine based then? Or is it? It's probably, yeah. I mean, probably it's probably a mix. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like caffeine does a lot for me. Okay. Like, I could have a cup of coffee and go to bed. Me too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So I don't think it's really for, like, a picker-upper. It's just like, I don't know. I just feel like I'm starting the day off good. I agree. I And I feel the same way. It's like, when I get to work, I do. I have the same routine. It's like, in my day, I can't start working until I get Piping hot black cup coffee. of coffee, dude. And, yeah. That's yeah. A, yeah. Okay. I, really, I don't know. I never put too much thought into it, but now I am. And kind of wow. weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of weird, right? A bit. Kind of weird, dude. All right. You want to jump in the book? Yeah. I wonder if Goggins drinks coffee. Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. 
can ask him. Probably. Probably. He probably drinks black coffee. Yeah, I'll ask him next time I see him. Okay. So uh, I'll give you a little summary. Yeah. And then we'll we'll hop into his uh, his ideas. Cool. I'm curious how this will differ from the first book. We'll get there. Okay. So in this book, you'll discover that life actually calls for never-ending progress. Yep. Your so-called pinnacle is just the beginning. It shares stories of setbacks and lessons learned that you can use to power through life's unending challenges. So the thing that I found super interesting, my first sort of, this isn't his idea, but I'll give you my first sort of takeaway. The thing that I found super interesting was that immediately following his like success and blowing up on Instagram Mm -hmm. and being like a savage runner and shit, he allowed his speaking engagements and things like that to start to take over his life. And he sort of stopped running. Oh. And he was asked to do a run for like this charity thing. And he was like very hesitant on doing it because he's like, I don't know if I can do it. So it was it was interesting to see that um, as as hard as it is to get there, it's easy to sort of slip back down a little bit. Yeah, that's interesting. But he bounces back pretty fast. Okay, And it's because. I've been here before. Right. I can fucking, I can do this. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was very interesting to hear him talk about the slip because you think about it and after reading Never or um, Can't Hurt Me, you don't think that that's possible. No, not with him. Not with him. No, you, no. Right? But it just goes to show that everybody's human. Yeah. And I mean, I think for me, that helps a little bit make me feel better about myself that, again, everybody's missteps here and there yep no matter how successful it happens but it's it's getting back on and move forward so the first thing we'll talk about stop wallowing in your misery and start moving forward yeah whether you like it or not life will be throwing you all sorts of lemons There are small lemons in the form of a missing assignment, a broken laptop, and then there are big lemons in the form of traumatic accidents or failed businesses. But no matter what size lemons are thrown at you, the important thing is knowing how to dodge their lasting impact and to move forward. Unfortunately, that's easier said than done. Many people tend to dwell on their misfortune long after it has passed. They're still miserable years after getting out of an abusive relationship or recovering from a physical injury. They'll wallow in their misery and think about how unlucky they are to be suffering such a fate. Sometimes they even use it to justify their weakness and stay exactly where they are. Oh, wow. I know people like that. Same here, dude. You'll never have full control over the things you experience. Most of the time, in fact, you get the short end of the stick. But what you can control is how you respond to that situation. You are responsible for how you act after going through a negative experience. It's your choice whether to pull yourself up and push yourself forward or remain in that pit of despair and let it control your life. You don't have to make a big jump right away. You're not expected to be 100% okay a day after a tragedy. The key is to make consistent improvement even if it's the smallest amount. Every day you need to show yourself that you're working on breaking free from the chains of your past. Baby steps are fine, but never stop making progress. Sooner or later, you'll grow into the person you never thought you'd be. All it really takes is focusing on the future rather than the past. That's so cool. And I feel like that's something that we've talked a lot about recently is that Again, you you are in control of how you react, and pretty much that's it. And it's up to you to pull yourself up and start moving forward. It's okay to be emotional. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to experience things. You're a person. It'd be pretty like amazing if you could just exist. Be a but little psychopathic. A bit, but you, you just need to move forward a little bit. Staying where you are isn't an option. 
one step is, is enough. One step is enough. Yeah. And you just need to be able to, you just need to keep that in your head. And have the strength to take the step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been in that place where I'm like, oh, what was me? Oh, me too. It doesn't do anything for you. Honestly, it, it keeps you where you don't want to be longer. And guess what? No one's coming to save you. No. No one is coming. No. You got to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can get support from other people and friends and family and everything like that, but they can't make you do it. Well, and they can't want it more than you want it. Also true. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. we've worked with people where like we wanted them to be successful more than they wanted to be successful. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. No. Right. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, he talks uh he talks a lot about he goes back to like talking about his dad and like growing up with his his grandfather and stuff like that. Yep. After his after his mom left his dad and one of the things that he talks about in being younger is like feeling like his grandparents should have felt bad for him and his mom and his brother for everything that they had gone through Hmm. and they didn't. Hmm. It wasn't like this warm welcome of them walking in the house and everything's going to be okay now and so on and so forth. It was like wake ups at four o'clock, 4 a.m. and you have to paint that fence tomorrow. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. That's cold. That's cold, baby. It's a cold world out there. Hell yeah. Streets are hard. <laughs> Number two, use your negative experiences as motivation to reach great heights. I love that. Same. If you say you haven't gone through any ne- uh, negative experiences in your life, you're either lying or you're the luckiest person in the world. It's probably the, the first. It's probably the first. <laughs> It's more likely that you have at least one bad memory, whether that's flunking high school or growing up in an abusive household. This memory has messed with your mind in one way or another, and you've never felt completely safe or confident ever since. Your first step to coping with that bad memory is probably to deny it. You might say that the experience wasn't as bad as other people who witnessed it say it it was. You might even get to a point where you say it didn't really happen the way it did. But the longer you don't acknowledge this negative experience, the longer you're keeping yourself in agony. You'll never realize your true potential by hiding from the pain. So don't tuck your bad memory away in a closet. Accept it and face it with all your might. Sure, it's scary and unsettling to look pain in the eye, but doing so will not only free you, it'll also propel you forward. You can use that pain to your advantage. You can hoard it and treat it as motivation to prove everyone wrong. I like that a lot. I think it's a great way to take misfortune and, and use it for a positive. And I like the fact that, again, he's talking about something real, that you have to have that uncomfortable conversation with yourself. You have to face whatever it is that is taking up space, and acknowledge it, accept it, and move on from it. And it's so hard. I have I had something happen to me that we're we're not gonna go into, but yeah, it was a lot of like, nah, that that wasn't exactly how I remember it. And then it was, nope, let's actually go through it and feel it. And now it's it's different. Doesn't feel as bad. Couple things. One, he he would actually take like mean comments and tweets and he would record himself saying them. That's so dope. And then he would listen to them while he worked out. Wow. Savage. Yeah, that's nutty. And the other thing, he was running the Leadville 100, which is a 100 mile out and back race in Leadville, Colorado. It's one of the hardest 100 milers. Um, And that's the one that he was like scared to do because he hadn't run in a while. Yeah. And he had a pacer, and they were on their way back, and he was like 20 miles from the finish line or whatever. And the pacer was actually falling out. So he ran back like 10 miles to pick up the pace of the guy that was supposed to be pacing him. (laughs) And this guy came like running up, 
and was like, is that is that David Goggins? Because he's famous to this point. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, man. He's like, oh, my son said I'd never catch you. Prove him wrong. And he just runs by him. And he, dude, it's, it starts fucking fuming and boiling and boiling. And his patient is like, go catch that motherfucker, dude. <laughs> I love it. And he passes him and he finishes before him. That's so cool. Um, But in terms of, like, denying and stuff, like, there were situations when, when I was a kid where, like, I've talked to my mom about it and she does not remember it the way I remember it. Interesting. It's like, it's like rainbows and unicorns. Yeah. And it's like, no, it wasn't. Not, not, not quite. Not at all. Not quite. Yeah. It's like thunderstorms and grizzly bears. <laughs> <laughs> More fucking like it, dude. That's interesting how, how interesting how people can just hold on to the idea of something, but how long they can hold on to the fake idea of something, how long you can hold on to the rosy version, the of fabrication, the lie. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> I'll give you a specific story. So, my mom, my little sister, and my mom's husband, not my dad, my mom's husband, uh, and me were supposed to go to a, a trip to Block Island. And my mom was like, oh, uh, your aunt wants you to stay. I used to stay over at my aunt's house all the time. And I was like, no, I don't want to because, like, we're going to the thing tomorrow. I was like 11 or something. And uh, and she's like, no, no, she wants you to stay. Just go and stay. And I was like, you're not going to fucking pick me up, dude. I know what you're doing. I go to my aunt's house. They never come and get me. They go to Block Island, just the three of them. And then they come back at like 6 o'clock in the afternoon to get mm. me, right? That sucks. My mom's memory of that is they did come and get me. And we all went there together. And we had a great day. Wow. And I was like, I wasn't there. She's like, I have pictures of us there. And I was like, there's no fucking way. Wow. Like, and then, dude, it was so bad. I was like, did I, am I fucked up? And I talked to my aunt about it. And she was like, she never fucking picked you up. What is she talking about? Oh, wow. That's crazy. They created a memory. Isn't that weird? Yeah. To the point where she thinks that she has pictures of it. Wow. Human mind is amazing. It's fucked up, dude. It is. It's fucked up. So don't, don't do that to yourself. No. No. Don't have, do that to yourself. Face your shit. Be honest. Face your shit. You'll feel better. Use it as motivation. Yeah. Number three. A single second can make all the difference in your life. What can you do in one second? You surely can't eat a whole plate of salmon or write a long email or finish a 100-yard dash. But while one second is undeniably very short, you'll be surprised to know that it takes just that much time to make all the difference in your life. And this is what Goggins calls the one-second decision. Okay. When you go through the challenges of life, there will be instances when you'll start to doubt yourself. Maybe you failed to close a deal, and now you think you can't run a successful business. You failed to make it to Harvard, so you think you were never really smart in the first place. These instances are crucial. They can make or break you. Most people will quit on the spot after experiencing moments like these. That sliver of doubt is all it takes to push their, push their dreams out the window. Don't make the mistake of doing the same. Instead of reacting abruptly, take a second to pause and decide. Push away all those emotions for a second and gain control of your thoughts. Then ask yourself whether you're sure you need to quit or whether you're doubting yourself because of the stress and insecurity. If it's the latter, you can take that one second to decide to fight. Don't let a single moment of weakness drag all your dreams away. I like that a lot. And I do and I do that. I um I forget it was a therapist that gave it to me, but it was like that whole when you're getting stressed out when you're in that situation, stop. Actually think about what's happening to you and then make a decision. Literally take that second 
and process what's ha- and you can process that fast. Yes. You do yes. it without thinking about it, and then make a decision, and then execute on whatever it is you're doing. Even if we go back to Endure by Cameron Haynes, mm-hmm. when he was running the Boston Marathon, yeah, and he was running with Lance, yeah, and he was like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. In my mind, that's that's a one second decision that he decided. I would agree to fucking. I'm good. Yeah, hundred percent. I would totally agree. Very interesting. It is, and I think that I think that being able to separate the emotion and everything like that is what separates the highly successful from your average person. And it's hard to be like. Do I really need to quit or am I just being a bitch? Yeah, you got to be real honest with yourself. Yeah. And that's uncomfortable. And that's wildly uncomfortable. Yeah. That's wild. It's it's wildly uncomfortable if you're like, yeah, I'm being a bitch and I'm still going to quit. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. Could you imagine anybody else saying that to you? I think you saying it to yourself is the only way that you would accept it. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, people say, oh, you don't know what I'm going through. Yeah. You don't know how it feels. You don't know what it's like. You don't know. You don't know what it's like. So I feel like you have to have that conversation with yourself. I agree. You're not going to... You're not going to grow. You're not going to get any better if you don't. Yeah. You're not going to see the success that you deem acceptable for yourself if you if you don't. That's a tough, honest conversation, especially like in the moment if you're suffering. Yeah, it is. But again, I think that's what separates the average from the extraordinary Mm. is the ability to do that. Number four, focus on the task at hand instead of wondering whether the end to your suffering is near. That's a good one. This is a treacherous one, dude. Okay. Yeah. Imagine you've been hiking for days and haven't reached the summit yet. You look at your trusty map and realize that you're just a bend away from your goal. Only a couple more steps until you can rest and put up your flag at the top of the mountain. You round the bend and and heave a sigh of relief. Finally, you say. But as you look around, you notice that you're not actually at the summit. You have another little hill to go up before reaching the true peak. Life is wired that way. When you think that your suffering is finally over, it dawns on you that it's still far from done, that what you attained was just a false summit. However, there's a simple way for you to avoid these false summits. Stop looking for the signs of the end. Say your teacher told you to listen to an audiobook and summarize it afterward. You don't know how long the audiobook is, so while you're listening, you keep wondering if you're about to reach the end of the recording. Every time you think you're at the final chapter, though, you're greeted with another one. Looking for signs of when the audiobook ends not only causes you disappointment, it also distracts you from the essence of the activity. You're so focused on reaching the end that you forget to actually listen. And now your summary is an incomprehensible word soup. You know that the end will come eventually. So instead of looking for it, pay attention to the work at hand. Give it your all because it's what you're supposed to be doing. And the more you concentrate on your current responsibilities, the sooner you'll finish. And before you know it, you'll be right in front of the end post. That's a good one. And I feel like that ties into being more present and living in the moment and all those kind of things. Um. Because it can definitely, it's just setting yourself up for more and more heartbreak if you do it that way. Because again, it's like the example, okay, the book is going to end, the book is going to end. This motherfucker is still talking. Yeah. Fuck. All right, it's got to be over after this one. Nope. Just sad again. So I experienced this a lot in running in jujitsu. And with running... With running, especially. Like, I would not 
experience the beauty of the run because I was so focused on getting to the end. And it actually, it's so funny because like you want the suffering and the pain to be over. But like when I finished that 30 miler, I was like, oh, thank God it's over. I'm done. I was in pain for another six months, dude. Mm. My toenails were falling off. <laughs> that Dude, that night, I thought I couldn't keep anything down. Yeah. I was curled up in a ball in the shower. It wasn't over. No? It wasn't going to be over for a fucking minute, dude. That's crazy. And with jujitsu, like if I'm having a really tough round, I'm getting the shit kicked out of me, and I'm like, okay, the round's got to almost be over. And I look up, and there's two minutes left. It's like, oh, my fuck. It just deflates the shit out of you. Yeah. Where if you just stayed focused on the moment, focused on what needs to get done, it does go by just faster. Time is weird that way. Time is relative. It depends on what you're doing and who you're doing it with. Think of LL Cool J in Deep Blue Sea where he's like, you spend five minutes with a beautiful woman. doesn't feel the same as five minutes you know, trying to escape a shark. Yeah. So it's just Good. interesting. I also think about this not in a, go- in a goal-accomplishing way, but just in an everyday life kind of way. Mm-hmm. Like if you're just so looking forward to bedtime. Or the end of the work day. Or the end of the work day. Everything that happens in between is is not missed, but it's not appreciated. It's not accepted the same way. And you miss out on things. And it's, you know, you're, you're, the shit that you're supposed to be doing is probably not getting the level of focus and attention that right? it needs. Yeah. You know? Number five. Discipline can help make you more accountable and resilient. Yes. You watch a platoon of soldiers doing their early morning exercise and realize what amazing discipline they have. They follow commands to a T and are ready to strike before the roosters have a chance to go cock a doodle doo. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what discipline does to you. But you don't have to join the army to acquire the discipline they have. You can cultivate it on your own, right from the comfort of your home. Discipline is actually nothing more than doing things to the best of your abilities. It's about having the initiative to start something and not leaving it half finished. It means trying to get it right the first time around. And when no one's watching or checking your work. When you're disciplined, you learn to be more accountable for yourself. You no longer have to rely on someone else to make your to-do list for you. You just get up, write down your tasks, and check them off one by one. Eventually, you learn how to build a plan of action around that to-do list so you know exactly how your day will go. Being disciplined also helps you increase your mental and physical load. As you keep repeating and optimizing your tasks, you realize that your capacity is getting bigger by the day. You can now breeze through your to-do list in four hours when it used to take you an entire day. This helps you take on more, which can come in handy when you're someone who juggles a job, college, and a family all at the same time. The most important side effect of being disciplined is a stronger mental state. You'll no longer feel insecure about other people's success because you'll be too busy taking action and focusing on your efforts. With that kind of negativity out of the way, there's no doubt you'll get where you want to be. Being disciplined is hugely helpful for all those reasons. I I agree and relate to everything he said. I think that being disciplined and having like a routine and everything like just makes everything easier. And it, I didn't think about it, but it does make your ability to handle like different other things, like more enhanced, like you're, you're better suited for it. I think that being disciplined and actually following through on a day to day basis with certain things is one of the most important attributes you can have as a person. Well, it teaches you how to organize and optimize. Yeah. How to do things with the most amount of efficiency. So, in the book, when his mom leaves Trudence, his father, and they move in with her mom and dad. Remember I told you, it's like, hey, get up at four, you got shit to do? Yeah. So, he hit the fence, whatever it is. He would, his name was Sergeant Jack, that was his grandfather. Um, He would make him a to-do list. 
And at first, he was like, fuck this. You know, he's a he's a teenage kid. Yeah. Doesn't want to do anything. And if it wasn't to Sergeant Jack's standards, he would have him do it again and do it again and do it again and do it again until it was right. Mm. And over the years, what started to happen was Goggins would take pride in the things that he was doing and do them right the first time. So you wouldn't have to do them again. Not just that, though. That's what I thought at first, too. But it wasn't just that he didn't have to do them again. He started to find pride in doing things to the best of his ability. That's pretty cool. And eventually, it wasn't Sergeant Jack that was waking him up with a to-do list. He was getting up on his own before Sergeant Jack and making his own to-do list and adding things to the to-do list and and so on and so forth. Wow. That's pretty cool. But my question is, do you feel like people need a Sergeant Jack to kickstart this? Or is it something like he he got that instilled in him because his grandfather made him do it? That wasn't that wasn't a choice on his own. So I think that it's definitely easier if you have somebody that can kickstart you. I do think it's something that you can build on your own. But I don't know, I don't know if you could make it to the same level because what I think is beneficial here is that he got the list and the work was inspected. Exactly. There's two, there's two aspects to it. It's not only do I have a list of things that I need to do. I have a standard that I have to uphold with each of those things. Yeah. And I think that that is difficult to keep for yourself. Is it impossible? No, but I think it's hard. I think that. Do you feel like you could find a who to be like your accountability person? Sure. Yeah. I definitely yeah, do. I think so too. But I think you're right. I think it's harder if you don't have it's more complex. If yeah. if, if if you don't have a sergeant jack in your life. Yeah. Again, not that you couldn't do it. You can. But I don't know if you would get the same amount of value. Mm. I don't like I think you could take it to a certain point and feel good about it. And then if you added in somebody else you would see that it could still grow. You yeah. Could still, the, you, you could see that you could still do more. I think that's what the Sergeant Jack adds. Agreed. Number six, don't settle for low-level success. Name everything you achieved the day you were born. I was born. <laughs> well, if you're anything like most people, there's probably not much. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've figured out to breathe. Exactly. <laughs> After all, nobody is born with a ton of trophies and titles under their belt. Everyone starts at the lowest rung of the ladder. But that doesn't mean that you should be content with being at the bottom when you know that the life you want is at the top. You need to be willing to go beyond that first step. And this is where many people go wrong. They prefer staying right where they are because they're too afraid of what lies ahead. Fear is natural. Who would want to venture into the unknown? But there's no way to conquer your fear than to face it head on. Do what scares you, but don't go into battle without your sword. It pays to be prepared. Use your time at the bottom to prepare for big opportunities in the future. Treat it as a training ground where you master your skills and become a better version of yourself. A good trick to keep in mind is to act as if you're already at the top. When you get to where you want to go, you won't have too much trouble adjusting. But of course, life isn't always smooth sailing. No matter how much you prepare for something, you might still fail. And more often than not, it's because of something that is out of your hands. In cases like these, treat failure as a way to learn about yourself and gain the opportunity to strengthen your core for life's Worst curveballs. I agree with pretty much everything you said. I don't have a ton to add to this one, actually. I really like this. This one is, I think, the most, like, I don't want to say accurate, but I feel like the most comprehensive, and I feel like it kind of encapsulates a lot of what we talk about. Um, I really like the line, don't forget your sword. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, And that's a good way to look at experience that you get at the lower levels. Everybody wants to be super successful. Everybody wants to be at the top of whatever dream they have. But 
the, like you said, I mean, uh, when you're first born, not a whole lot you've uh, accomplished. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. And then as you start to learn things, you have more and more tools in your toolbox, more swords in your sheath. Well, you only got one sword, but you know what I mean. I, um, I really like the visualization of treating your time at the bottom as a training ground. Yeah. Um, you know, in like superhero movies or, or like a, a, a like a gladiator type movie or whatever, the part uh, where where the hero starts his like training, mm-hmm. right? With with Batman, it was like in the fucking Rajagul. Yeah, exactly. That's like my favorite part of the movie, all the time. Interesting, all the time. And it's it's just it's that transformation. Mm. It's that gritty, grimy, scratching, clawing, getting the shit kicked out of you, and just getting a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better until you're nasty, right? I feel like a lot of people struggle to go through that training ground. Yeah, I would agree. Either they feel like they don't have to or it's too hard. Or they shouldn't have to. Or they to. shouldn't have to. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Enjoy. Enjoy the training ground. And Yeah, and enjoy the work. Enjoy the work. Number seven. Surpass the normal standards and then set your own. When you start a new job, one of the first things you'll learn about are the standards and expectations the company has of its employees. You have to be early for meetings. You have to submit an end-of-the-month report. You have to be a good rep of the firm wherever you go. You can find such standards everywhere, not only at your workplace. They guide every member of the team and ensure that they work in alignment with the organization's goals. You're expected to meet these standards religiously, and to keep them in mind in whatever you do. But while that's commendable, making these standards your primary target does you a disservice. It prevents you from reaching your full potential. Say your boss told you to make a a week's worth of content for his business social media pages. Most people would make just that one week of content and stop there. After all, that's all that was required of them. But doing the bare minimum doesn't foster growth. To really grow means to surpass those standards. It's about setting and striving for your own standards. So no, you don't just make a week's worth of content for your boss. You make a month's worth or even a year's worth. You probably won't get a raise for going above and beyond. But you shouldn't be after the praise and recognition in the first place. You should surpass the standards for internal validation to see how much you can really do and how far you can push yourself. That's how you grow. If you're doubtful about your ability to do this, try surrounding yourself with people who consistently exceed expectations. That way, your competitive self will be more motivated to get to work. I like the idea of, like, setting your own standards. And I was, I was actually just thinking, I was like, well, when companies like, okay, I need you to do this work, it's really like to solve for a now problem yes where again okay i'll do a month's worth like that's really where you should be at you should be trying to work from in front not behind you shouldn't be reacting should be proactive so i i would say that not that a company's goals are uh, short-sighted but i agree that they would hold you back because again i feel like it's stuff that is to get done quickly so it's going to be a shorter version of whatever the whole goal could be. It's also like how much more do you think you would learn by making a month's worth of content versus a week's worth of content? Oh, a lot. So much. Again, I mean, it's it's all about the reps. It's all about repetition. It's all about going through the process because every time you go through it, it's different. You learn things or you take things away. Or yeah. And yeah, you're probably not going to get a raise or a promotion off of that one thing. But, but if, if you do it consistently... Huh. In a bunch of different avenues over the course of the year? Fuck. Dude, yes. Y- yeah, you'll be taken care of. Especially if you're at a good company. Right. Definitely. You'll be taken care of. Or if you take that into your home, into mm-hmm. your household, how much happier would your home life be? Oh, right. Yeah, and, and I was saying, this is not something that um, is only for tasks no. like that. You can apply to Friendships. Anything. Yeah. Sports. All of it. All of it, dude. All of it. That's a good point. Yeah, I enjoyed that one. 
I think this is the last one. Okay. Greatness is within your reach if you're willing to work for it. How do you define greatness? Is it someone who wins the Nobel Prize or gets the MVP 10 years in a row or leads the moon missions? Yes, they're unquestionably some of the greatest of all time. And with how enormous their achievements are, you'll start thinking that such a level of excellence is simply out of your league. However, that mentality is precisely what holds you back from reaching greatness. Contrary to popular belief, greatness is not an elusive pedestal that only the gifted and privileged can climb. You have it within your reach. You just aren't willing to go for it. And you aren't fully to blame. Most of the time, your upbringing can play a major part in limiting your thinking and making you believe that you're not destined for greatness. As soon as you enter the world, people start putting you into categories. You're a woman, so you shouldn't be a CEO. You're a man, so you should build a career in tech. You're only 18, so you should go to college and not set up a business. You're already 56, so you should start thinking about retirement and not switching careers. People have that habit of defining you even before you can really define yourself. And this, unfortunately, takes a toll on how you see greatness. But no matter how loud the negative voices are, know that you have the power to break out of those categories and redefine yourself. Be the first woman in your local electric company. Be the first high school dropout in your family who becomes a millionaire. Be the first 50-something-year-olds in your college graduation. There always has to be someone to break the mold first. Let that someone be you. I think about when you were reading that, I was thinking about two people. First one I was thinking about was Tom Brady. If he thought for one second that he was not the greatest of all time. Yeah. And that he was drafted where he was supposed to be drafted and that he was supposed to be a backup. Yeah. Fuck. Like. He wouldn't be who he, he is. He wouldn't be who he is. No. I think about the same about Brock Purdy, who is yeah. right now Mr. Irrelevant for the 49ers, just kicking ass. Yeah, yeah. Last pick in the dra- literally last pick in the draft. Slanging. Because the work ethic and the ability to do go one more, go further, is there. Fuck. No limiting beliefs. No. It's wild. Yeah. And and I, I mean, myself included, have gone like, well, what makes them different? Yeah. They just did it. Nothing. Nothing makes them different. I mean, there are certain, like, they were not the same athle- athletically or, but again. Mindset. Yeah. It's, the difference is that it was done, it was executed. Yeah. And that is just fascinating to me. And anyone can do it. Anyone can do it. They're not special. Well, now they are. But, like, but they weren't. They weren't. You were just, again, you started the same way everybody else starts. Yeah. And then you decided to go further. Or to be mediocre. Or to be okay with the fact that you are where you are. Yeah. Yeah. Final summary. To transform into the person you want to be, you must first overcome the barriers that you and society have put up. This requires your willingness to go beyond your limit. Keep the past from tainting your future and forge ahead no matter the difficulty and pain. And here's a final piece of advice. Be selective about who you surround yourself with. The people you keep around should be the first ones to see your maximum potential. Don't be with the folks who hold you back. They should be pushing you up and walking with you toward your goals instead. I like that a lot. We should make that a core topic conversation. Like the company you keep. Yeah, I'm down. That'd be cool. Hell yeah. And the effects that it can have on you, both negative and positive. Yeah. Yeah. Or having nobody around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have a I have a closing question. Sure. How is this book different than his first? So and and while you're thinking, I would imagine that they're not very different because why he doesn't seem like somebody that is going to change his approach. Something's working. It's working. Yeah, I feel like he's been very successful. Yeah. 
So I don't know why you would write a different book. So this book was very much about um, the bounce back. Okay. So okay. it was like it was achieving that that level of status and then allowing that level of status to start to drag him back gotcha. okay. to where he used to be. Sure. Right? And then sort of redefining what his core beliefs were to push forward and, and start achieving great things again. Gaia. So it's almost like a look behind the curtain in a way. It's very similar to the first book, but he goes he goes a lot deeper into the childhood stuff. Okay. Got you. And he actually remember how I told you in the audio book on the first one they had like mini podcasts? Yeah. Yeah. So he does that again and in one of them he has his mom on. Mm-hmm. And his mom talks about like like she dated like a murderer. Like she she worked in the prison as like a an advocate or something and this dude killed his wife and she like he came home from from Air Force boot camp or whatever and she's like married to the guy and so they talk about all that stuff. Wow. Um in the first book the the childhood stuff was maybe like a chapter or two. Okay. And in this one he goes, he dives like he talks about going back and um, visiting his father before before his dad dies, and like he still owns Skateland, and like how going back to Buffalo, like driving down the street immediately was that he felt like he was like eight years old again, uh-huh. and he was in danger, and like didn't feel safe, and had like that nauseous feeling, and they went and had dinner, and he his father treated his wife exactly how he used to treat his mom, and so. Similar, but similar, deep, but, but deeper, but more. There's more. Uh, there's there's more, more meat to the bone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. It was a good read. It was <laughs> a good read. I recommend it. Um, I would say, who is it for? Who, who? is it for? Who the injured athlete? Okay, that's Mid, a good one. Yeah, maybe midlifers seeking a challenge. Okay, you're like ah, oh, I've peaked. Anyone seeking to maximize their potential. Love it. I do think if you're. If you're, if you feel like you've already, you like you've reached your height and now you're on the downturn, this is a good book. Your best years are gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. It's a cool book for that. Cool. I think a lot of people experience that. So for sure. Get on. I think we experience it multiple times. Fuck yeah. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Fucking peaks and crests, baby. Life. Peaks peaks and valleys. I was like, peaks and crests. That's fine. It's just a plateau. (laughs) (laughs) oh shit all right you want to throw a little bow on it let's do it all right if they want to get in touch with you how do they do it you can find me on instagram it is justin underscore dl project if you want to find the podcast we are at the do life project on instagram and tiktok uh our website is the do life project.com if you want to get in touch with me, I am at Joshua underscore does underscore life on Instagram at Joshua does underscore life on the Twit machine. If you haven't left us a review yet, please take the 26 milliseconds and send it because it helps us out a lot. Send it. Uh, until next time, crisscross applesauce, baby. Yay. Ta-ta for now.